Hello and welcome to another episode of the Botcast. Uh, I'm John Botcast. Hey, I'm I'm Eamon Botcast. Uh, and today we're sort of coming back off of a couple of like a couple of months without recording. But yep. weirdly enough, the listening has been quite patchy. So we're going to get uh, some of the gripes out of the way to begin with. Yeah, and, and it's a partial gripe to begin with. Partial gripe, and this is this is what the the listeners love. They love to hear us talk about farts and <laughs> and pig stinkers. So I guess <laughs> we're going to give it to you up front. No beating about the bush. Here's the shaters. <laughs> so we'll start with one that's. Uh, it's a minor stinker, a stinker minor. Yes, maybe, maybe not a pig stinker. Maybe like a um, what's a less filthy animal than a, <laughs> a pig? Like like a badger? Yeah, lives I, under. No, badgers um, give uh, cows TB, don't they? <laughs> um, pigs, pigs are quite. I mean, the whole thing with the pig stinker is I quite like pigs. Pigs are very clean um, animals. <laughs> This, but okay. Well, here's the thing: a pig's got character. Mm-hmm. This, this isn't a pig stinker because it's got no character. That's M- true. Maybe it's like a like an animal that doesn't have any character, but still <laughs> is a stinker. Like, oh uh, uh, well, it would be like a kind of a nondescript rodent. Yeah, like perhaps like a is it a rat? Is yeah. it a, a vole? <laughs> Who knows? And those things get into some shit, so sometimes they are a bit stinky. Yeah, so this is, I guess, nondescript rodent <laughs> stinker. It's it's Eminem with songs to be murdered by. And if, mm. when I first listened to this, I would have imagined by the time of recording this would have been my worst record of the month. Uh, I was proven wrong on multiple occasions. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, um, Eminem has been on a downturn since um, Encore mm-hmm. onwards. Um, yeah, <laughs> including that, and on from Encore. And Encore. I mean, I think I've spoken in multiple episodes about that album. Mm. Is a fascinating... <laughs> In, in terms of the one of the few rap records that you can hear fatness in the vocals <laughs> it's an interesting cultural relic because it very much epitomizes the end of the dark time of rap from yeah. like the 2000s it's it's bloated as Eminem's body was at the time it's <laughs> it's bloated and you can hear him slightly slurred because he's on the the pills big time yeah yeah um and it's it's just a fucking mess of an album, but that is the last album that he made that is truly fascinating. Yeah, um, the, I think with this new album, music to get murdered by, it's the best in a while. But like when you're coming off of Kamikaze, was the last one, which was crap. Yeah. And revival before that was the worst record he's ever put out. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I'll I'll even say this this new one. You know, it's it's sort of forgettable, but it's not obnoxious. No. Like I I was looking back at the albums he's released, um, and since Encore, I think it's probably this is his best. This is his best one since uh, Relapse. 
Yeah. Relapse of production was a little interesting. He doesn't like it, apparently. I, it's because it's very much like... It's a jokey album. Yeah, it's a very obnoxious album in places, but there's some tracks on it that are fucking some bangers. Some great Crack a like Bottle. Like 3AM and, and yeah, Crack a Bottle yeah. are really good. Like Dre's but, production on it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then you had Recovery, which oh, was just boring. That was like the beginning the, of the, the Rihanna s- shit. Yeah, like the, the greatest sin of that album is it's boring. Mm. Um, And then you had the bizarrely overpraised, in my opinion... Marshall Mallers LP two, like who yeah. like 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 I was looking back at the reviews of this album, <laughs> and it was like five stars here and four stars. Like who the fuck are you kidding? It was it was a tough one because it was. I bet you if those reviewers reviewed it now, they would say very differently. Because I was like that when I first heard it. I was like, yeah. holy shit, this is him actually returning to something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But now when I listen to it, I'm like. Fucking hell, man! It's stinking. It's a stinker. It's really bad in places, but like it beguiles you when you first listen to it, and it's a trap. You in this idea of like, oh, remember when Eminem was good? I felt in the minority by not liking it at the time. <laughs> I was like, this is crap. This is just um. What basically happened with Eminem was the first couple albums are interesting because there wasn't nobody really rapped like him at the time. Yeah. There was a slight difference to his cadence. There wasn't a a sort of imitation of another type of rapper, really. Yeah. It was very individual. Whereas when he came back after his um uh, what would you call it? Sabbatical. Yeah. Um it seems very one note, and this new album continues that. It's just I'm gonna rap fast. <laughs> Technically impressive, but to a point, though, it's like, yeah, I mean, but... because there's diminishing returns when it comes to speed, obviously, uh-huh. like, like, what? who's the guy that's the, the really, really fast guy? Tech Nine? Tech Nine, yeah. Tech Nine's really fast, and again, his stuff is more, it's so staccato and so broken up into, like, machine gun syllables yeah. that it sounds like shit. Yeah. It doesn't actually sound very good, and, like, then you get someone like uh, fucking... Fat Joe. <laughs> i don't know i, I pulled a name there but i was gonna say buster rhymes oh yeah buster, buster rhymes yeah. when he hits his peak can get really yeah. fast but he always sounds good yeah like when he's fast like he sounds good and, yeah yeah whereas eminem neck. yeah great. eminem is just monotone with the way he delivers stuff when he's going really really fast yeah and it just becomes a monotonous ticking it's like a bit of percussion a boring bit of percussion mm-hmm. it just sounds like someone doing a snare roll and it's like Oh, whatever it does, yeah. it's not impressive if it sounds like shit and it all sounds the same yeah and it absolutely does like rap god is almost indistinguishable from that godzilla track that he goes really really fast on almost indistinguishable in terms of like when he hits his speed yeah. his top speed boring because i've heard it before and it wasn't that impressive when i first heard it yeah it's like what you what you like i mean what you like with Eminem was the and this is just an old man complaining about another old man here <laughs> um, but what was great about the first couple of records um, you know uh, those first three major ones don't include the you know the, the debut didn't sell Infinity anything. isn't yeah. an album it's a um, t- mixed tape or so something. Slim Shady uh, Marshall Mathers and the Eminem show there's a variation in the, the vocals mm-hmm um and the production is brash and cartoony and and it was sort of different enough to what was being produced at the time yeah 
And uh, what was great was, you know, with Eminem, you always got that it was a persona. Mm-hmm. Um, he had sort of went, a, it was quite refreshing at the time because you'd had years of hip hop being about authenticity and this is the real realness and Eminem comes out and I still think his greatest lyric um, sort of meta quote, meta textual lyric is um, in Role Model it's the one that goes um, y'all can't even see through the mist how the fuck can I be white I don't even exist it's so <laughs> there's something so like witty and clever yeah. about that and there is no wit or cleverness in this new record it's true he's tried to rejuvenate his persona as yeah. slim shady or something it's hasn't a, he it's a slightly more horror core record yeah. than we've had in the last couple of years but he's not playing the role of slim shady he's just credited the album to slim shady yeah. whereas in the first album he is so embodied in this persona of Slim Shady that, that is, he doesn't, he yeah. isn't there. He's no real, he's removed himself. It's like death of the author shit. Whereas yeah. like he's embodied a character so thoroughly, it's like he's playing a narrative. There is out. nothing as funny <laughs> on this album. I mean, that was that was what was, you know, it was horror core stuff that basically his genre was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was funny and yeah. true and occasionally truly shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had multiple interesting aspects to it, but this album has nothing comparatively. No. The, the greatest compliment you can pay this album is it's not the last three albums. <laughs> um, there's nothing... On, I was, you know, I, I did a... I guess the kids call it a deep dive these days. Um, I, I, re- I reacquainted myself with those couple of Eminem albums, the first three... Aye. And there's nothing as funny on this album as that lyric about throwing someone down the stairs and then throwing them back up them. <laughs> what, what, what song is that? That's, I think it's off. It's off um, the first match. I, I think it is. It's like it's that song where he's talking about get brain damage. Brain it's damage, off a of brain right. damage. It's like, yeah, like that whole song is, <laughs> is. It's nasty and disgusting, <laughs> but it's like some of the imagery is fucking ridiculous. The, the idea of throwing someone off a flight of stairs. <laughs> You know, like when I was when I was ten and I listened to it, you don't get how funny that. Yeah. Now, now at thirty, I'm like, yeah, throwing someone up a flight of stairs is genius. Um. <laughs> oh man, and obviously, the the problematic aspects of this mm. album really, really they shine equally bright in in their obnoxiousness because of how old he is now. And it's maybe a little bit, we talk about this a lot, we call ourselves old men, but we're not old. It's just, we feel old. Eminem must feel fucking 70 Mm -hmm. because of all the drugs he's done and stuff like that and like how much of a mess he was for so long. And it's like, he bodily must feel very strange when he's still out there being like, talking about how he's going to blow up Ariana Grande's concert and stuff like that. It's like, you're a fucking grown man. Yeah. It's like, this is very, this is dangerous stuff almost, talking about shit like that. It's like, uncalled for and unnecessarily shitty. It's, uh, yeah. And it's like, it's obnoxious in a way that only, I would actually have said that the horrorcore resurgence with Tyler and stuff like that, Uh even they wouldn't have done that, even though they were into that sort of shock humour shit and, like, they were never that obnoxious. You know, he's he's an older man. He could have done something more interesting with the horrorcore stuff. You know, this this could have been... um, 
uh, his Nick Cave's murder ballads. Oh, that's absolutely like, what he's going for as like, well. He could have done something like less indebted to his own history mm-hmm. and done something like truly gruesome and darkly funny like that album would be, yeah. but is clearly not sort of like here's the punchline, here's the punchline, here's the punchline. Just have like yeah. something maybe more tonally or atmospherically darkly humorous and consistent and and, and the album's not funny yeah <laughs> yeah the, I mean, jo- the jokes don't land some really. of the stuff on murder ballads is so uh like disgusting and so ridiculous that it is funny yeah it's like, like stagger lee yeah it's so funny and um, o'malley's bar yeah depicting the massacre and stuff like that it's like it's ridiculous but there's something kind of so that's what eminem could have done with yeah. this album but he doesn't use the the hitchcockian air properly no. at all because half the album is him just doing his usual eminem things and doing eminem raps about sucking his dick yeah. and people sucking his dick and his haters sucking his dick and someone sucking his dick and that's about it mm-hmm. and then you get like those little interludes where you can hear like a woman dying and screaming and like hitchcock doing his little monologues and stuff yeah. like that and you're like he just chopped up the a concept album or what could have been a concept album intermittently interspersed with these stupid songs that don't mean anything yeah and it's like you've not used this this style or this narrative or this aesthetic to its fullest degree it feels half-baked and it's too long it's way too like long as well all eminem albums yeah even the classics are too long yeah but you could put up with them 20 years ago yeah like a 77 minute you know marshall mallers lp or the slum shade lp you know at least you're getting good jokes in there yeah some of the tracks might be a bit bloated a bit stinky mm-hmm. but 20 years down the line i could have used an album half the length for this and it would have been better oh yeah it's not that it's it's not like it's not that it's horrifically bad it's just overstays its welcome and it has nothing to say yeah that is the i mean fucking that was our mild gripe as well but like uh i think the actual gripes i think the real pig stinkers are going to be pretty fucking vicious this yeah. month then so uh you want to you want to tell us one of your stinkers so for this month? the the worst album that i heard this month absolutely guttural trash um is funeral by little wayne oh god um now i don't really know little wayne um the the sort of just by my age um what a lot what happened with a lot of hip-hop heads is that you sort of fell out of love with a sort of more mainstream uh i guess they call it the bling era now the sort of mm. mid 2000s and then hip-hop you know you re-fell in love with it again in the 2010s and little wayne came to prominence in the period where um i wasn't tremendously interested in hip-hop so i don't really have uh a knowledge of his work or anything but i, I thought i'd listen to it because he's very heralded and He's been very influential in in terms of uh, the sound of modern mainstream rap just now. You know, he's sort of pop rap, I guess. Mm. 
And, I, and I'd heard the first couple of albums are good. So I thought, I'll give this a listen. And it's 94 minutes. <sighs> it's... The first song's alright. The first song's okay. Um, but then it just goes on so long. And if the Eminem album is one note, this is like no no. <laughs> this is like fucking every song is sort of this inflated this sort of nothing trap rap beat. <laughs> like could have been made on Garage Band in a fifteen minutes. <laughs> um him rapping on the top of it. Way too much auto tune. Mm. Um it's just insufferable. It's <sighs> Yeah. It's, I, I It sounds like the a perfect distillation of everything that's wrong with that kinda It's it's everything that we said that made fucking the big day bad yeah. but it's actually somehow almost 20 minutes longer it's it's not <laughs> it's as, insane it's not as bad as the big day um that's insane, by a slight margin um but yeah it's it's truly i i just didn't get it the appeal um first first song's all right <laughs> like, okay um the production's fairly interesting. And then, I don't know, the drop-off is immediate. And it's just... It goes on so long. <laughs> uh, it's it's really... And the production's bad. Mm. It's just sort of nothing. Mid-range, sort of bland, trap rap. Yeah. Don't like it. I think that's a real fucking crutch these days, especially as like just trot out the the trap rap vibe to carry an album, and then like I don't know, expect people to just is Lil Wayne banking on people just putting these albums on in the background at parties? Is that uh, maybe is that maybe. literally all his music exists for? Because maybe. like that to me is like trap rap is what I imagine like really bargain bucket by the numbers trap rap is what I imagine every single house party and club scene is going to have like, in the background in movies from now yeah, on for the next 20 years. Yeah, like American high hmm. school. Yeah. They've got red polystyrene cups for the yeah. drinks. And it used to be like uh, butt rock. It used to be like surfer rock in the 90s and stuff and like that in the, the 2000s. And then you had the sort of bro step. Yeah, yeah. There was um, that for the 2010s. And now I think like 2020 onwards is going to be nothing but like trap. Yeah. And that's pro- it. Probably. Like party trap. Yeah, because probably, I, I think probably young people aren't listening to it. <laughs> but, but sort of Hollywood executives would be like, well... <laughs> What are young people listening to? And they're like, well, they must be still, they must still be listening to trap rap. Um, <laughs> that was pretty big in the end of twenty tens. Um, yeah, I don't, it, I don't know. It's, it's just, it feels, it feels dated. <laughs> um, despite the fact that it's going for this sort of super modern, super, mm. um, yeah, whatever. It's just again, he's an old guy. He's an old guy trying to stay relevant. This is going to come up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a lot of guys trying to desperately cling to like, their I, cultural relevance. Like, do you remember, do you know, this is this is a little tidbit I learned about um, uh, Little Wayne. You know you know that programme, The Masked Singer? Yeah. Right. It's like Bargain Bucket, IT <laughs> shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like fucking Z-list singers. <laughs> fucking 
wearing a hedgehog's head or something, right? Um, and you have to guess who it is. Little Wayne was on the American one. Oh. So, like, they pulled the fucking hat off or whatever it was, right? <laughs> it's like, who's under this giant duck? <laughs> oh, it's Little Wayne. <laughs> so, that's where he, that's his. So, I'm not kicking him when he's down. Oh, but, I know, I feel kind of bad but, for him now. But, but you know. He's he's sort of like whatever the American equivalent of ITV is. He's like an ITV rapper. <laughs> oh, oh God! Yeah, okay, I can. That really, really paints a hell of a picture because right away you know just how naff that that must be. At least Little John has not. <laughs> and by the way, was there? Do, did you ever listen to? Now there was an album here. This is true. Where. Little Wayne and Little John did a collaboration album and they called it Little John Wayne. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> but because they missed an opportunity I, there. Well, I think so. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah. ITV, terrible trap rap. <laughs> this is, it's fucking crap. Don't listen to it. It is my pig part. stinker of the month. What about, what about your... Do you have a pig stinker of the month? I, I do. And it's one that I can't actually imagine many people will have heard because this band are on the fringes of mattering to anyone at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember listening to them for a little while uh, in the 2000s. And I thought they were fine. Mm-hmm. But now they've made uh, a proper pig stinker of the month worthy album. It's Twin Atlantic with Power. It's Piss. It's absolute fucking dreck. So it's a power of piss. <laughs> it's a power of shame. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a power of stinker. It's, it, it's... Okay, so the thing about Twin Atlantic was they were born out of the wave of post-Biffy Scottish bands. Yeah, they're a Scottish band, right? They're a Scottish yeah. band. They're from Glasgow slash Ayrshire. When you're from Ayrshire, everyone just says you're from Glasgow. Right. You're from the Glasgow scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... I'm pretty sure they're from Ayrshire. Uh, but either way, the guy sings with an obnoxious as fuck Scottish accent and they made like power punk. Like right. they made like power pop punk right. in the wake of like Biffy going full mainstream. So post puzzle, Biffy. Yeah. Yeah. Is it called puzzle? Puzzle, yeah. yeah. Anything post puzzle is Biffy at their most mainstream and most digestible. And Twin Atlantic are basically just the uh fallout boy ish style of what oh. that is so it's imagine fallout boy smashed together with biffy Oof. and you get something that sounds the 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 first exposure i had to them was like it was like a, an an ep a big ep called vivarium and it was actually pretty good okay there were some genuinely decent tracks on it and uh I, I was like okay this band might be something to look out for because i kind of like the sound that they're going for i don't really like his voice too much but i got used to it then they followed up with an LP uh, called Free, I think, and it fucking sucked. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Who knows where they'll go from here? Maybe they'll do something else. They released another one I didn't hear, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this new album a go and see where they are now as a band. Uh-huh. Where they are now as a band is where a lot of bands that are floundering in the world of rock go, yep. and that is they've just decided to put a bunch of synth in it. So, so that sort of retro eighties kind of more times. Did aesthetic. you did you hear what Mumford and Son sounded like when they gave up on the banjo and shit like that? Of course I didn't. <laughs> um. Mumford and Son realized 
that their uh, fucking trust fund Wurzel gimmick wasn't working anymore. Which one was Mumford? Uh, The the largest one. And that was all of his sons, (laughs) was the smaller ones. The lar- why didn't the largest Mumford simply eat the other Mumfords? Yeah, well. um, uh, the thing about Mumford and Son was that first album captivated a lot of people because no one had heard anything so twee before. And then... Uh, Everybody's more rediscovered the guitar with that album. D- yeah, the guitar slash banjo slash double bass slash uh, stomping your feet for percussion. It was like the folk Maroon 5 for oh, Everybody's more. Yeah, that absolutely does actually sum it up. Um Take that, Mumford. Speaking of which, have you heard that new fucking Maroon 5 song where they just rip off uh, Pac Bell's canon? No. And it's just that, but a shit pop song. It's, right. ter- it's terrible. I've heard it, you can't escape it. Every cunt's listening to it these days. It's fucking god awful. Right. Just when you thought Maroon 5 couldn't get any worse. But um, so basically, what's happened with Twin Atlantic is they went, you know what? We have nothing to say uh, as a post, uh, a post punk kind of post rock, not post rock, but like a punk rock yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got nothing to say, and we don't, we don't think this guitar stuff's working out anymore. Let's just layer a bunch of lazy synth in it to get a bunch of like millennial whoops in, okay, and get a bunch of like the stuff that they think sells in the charts these days. So big swelling synths and like, uh, like lots of huge choruses and stuff like that absolutely trying to appeal to the broadest demographic possible and stay young and relevant and uh, what results is something that might as well not exist because when i was listening to it it's like i had a fucking outer body experience or something Uh because it was just nothing it was like listening to white noise it's just the most fucking boring version of music that you can imagine Uh and that's that so twin atlantic well done, you released an EP a couple of years ago, like 10 fucking years ago at this rate, that was actually okay, and you've done nothing since. So well done. Wow. You know, we missed the, we missed an opportunity there um, when you said it was like white noise. We missed it. We missed the opportunity to, to do our patented drone metal joke. <laughs> and we like drone metal. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like, uh, I want like, to have outer body experiences brought on by white noise, but got, no, this you gotta kind. Get, you got to get a sun reference <laughs> in every episode. Honestly, I thought for a second you were going to do- go down a route of like, the the Twin Atlantic perfectly embodies the idea of white people music. It's just white noise. <laughs> Where okay, it's just no, like, I'd, I'd, I'd it's just absolutely like middle class white little fucking teenage bop shit. But yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, honestly, yeah, drone metal of drone any metal. variety I mean, Mumf- would be better than Mumf- this album. Mumford and Sons is sort of white noise, right? Oh, absolutely is. Like, definitely white, and there's no... <laughs> it's the whitest band the around. whitest noise there is. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So, speaking of uh, uh, obnoxious white guys trying to cling to cultural relevance... Hey, yo, check out that link. Let's talk about that fucking Green Day album, the mother, father of all whatevers. What was it called? What was it called? I think the... this, this might be a very special episode. I think <laughs> this might have two pig stinkers. A double stinker? A double stinker, mum. Two oinkers, right? Two, up... two oinkers. <laughs> father of all motherfuckers the longest 26 minutes of my fucking life it is torturous isn't it's, it? it's holy shit right from the bat as well it's obnoxious right from the fucking first four seconds of the uh-huh. album 
you hate it and i hated it instantly oh god it's so bad it's and here's the thing it doesn't even sound like them oh absolutely what are they what are they doing i I didn't even recognize that as billy joel's voice yeah like that it doesn't sound like Like, him at all what are they what are they trying to do with it i just realized i called him billy joel billy joel armstrong and it's not billy joel it's billy joel armstrong (laughs) yeah is that right i always got that confused yeah um you know that billy joe and billy joel they did a (laughs) they did a collaborative album called um little john wayne so that's why anyway yeah it's terrible album it's like what the fuck is that it's it's like one of those train wrecks where you're like I don't even understand the thinking behind this. Like something yeah. like the Metallica and Lou Reed album, right? Yeah. Like it's a train wreck, right? But you get the understanding of it. <laughs> Lou Reed is a pretentious wank <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm going to do this weird metal album about prostitution in the 1930s. <laughs> so you're like, at least as as difficult as that album sounds as is, and as poor produced as that album is there's some sort of artistic intent there yeah and you're like okay it's a failed experiment fair enough you can't really bag on metallica for like like we're gonna try something slightly esoteric yeah whereas what the fuck was the thinking with this album (laughs) like you listen to it and you go like i don't understand any of the impulses that would have led you to this some of it sounds like fucking like trying to do a modern interpretation of like some fucking rockabilly shit yeah, going on and like, like doo-wop kind of nonsense like it's like here's a misfits album yeah sorta, but it's got no it's got no sense of humor to it it's got no <sighs> fucking hell it's just it, it is painful to listen to because it is absolutely the epitome of an embarrassing da trying to it's like hello fellow kids it's absolutely (laughs) like you are trying to be culturally relevant and edgy in a weird way because they called it the father of all motherfuckers and it's bleeped and like the ads were all like pure uncut rock and it's like a fucking line of coke and stuff and it's like you are not fucking edgy or cool or interesting you're old fucking men it's like it screams of you know like um Hey, I've got my kids are all grown up and left the house, but I'm still cool. <laughs> it's, it's a truly embarrassing thing to listen to and perplexing in the way that they've the, the musical direction that they've gone in. Admittedly, not listened to the Uno Dos Tres one that they released, hell. so I don't really know what their sound is these yeah. days. But I remember Twenty First Century Breakdown being an absolute honker. I didn't. I didn't listen to that one. And uh, I, I, don't I didn't hate American Idiot. I thought it was okay. Um, it was very yeah, good. It was okay. It was very yeah. good at the time. Yeah. Like it was. It was a spectacle at the time, and like because it was, it had the big Jesus suburbia seven minute long thing. They're and not like, even going for like 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 a punk pop sound with us like oh no no it's so sort of messy and cluttered and like it's it is genuinely the most desperate sounding album i've heard in a long time of like trust us guys we've still got it we've got something we don't know what it is anymore but we've got it the only reason that i hate it less than 
the Little Wayne album is because you could put ten of these albums together and it would last less time <laughs> than Little Wayne. But it is truly a terrible album. Yeah, it's... it is absolutely three, two, one. Did you hear? Um, did you hear that record, the "I Disagree" by Poppy? I did. I thought it was weird. It's weird, right? <laughs> so she's like a YouTube uh, sort of, yeah, like character, sort of weird. I guess it's sort of like it's like a mix of bubblegum pop and grindcore. Yeah. Is the album? It's sort of it's weirdly works. It does. At it points. does. It, it has that vibe of like uh, baby metal, like the Japanese yeah, pop yeah, yeah, metal yeah. thing. It has that kind of vibe going on. But yeah. when she goes hard, she goes really hard. Yeah, I I I was surprised by how much I liked it. Yeah. Um, it's a weird one. It's messy though, like a lot yeah. of that sound. I get, I get that that's what she's going for. I get that that's what like the persona was leaning into that idea of like yeah. she she transitioned from like pure pop, electro pop to like weird like metal pop stuff. Yeah, but, like it makes her albums really hard to listen to because you get like whiplash the whole time. It's like yeah. aesthetic whiplash going on because you're like, oh fuck, there's like so much. There's so much going on, but it's not. It doesn't cool. It doesn't. It's very uh, disjointed. Yeah. It's, um, mm. And sometimes that rubbing up against each other works in mm-hmm. terms of a juxtaposition. Yeah. The actual pop record that I liked uh, this month uh, was "Seeking Thrills" by Georgia. Okay. Um, it's sort of like um, electro pop. Um, sort of like emotionally vulnerable electro pop type thing like the beats are good her singing's great um yeah it's i i would highly recommend it it's it's um very sort of singer songwritery um sort of like charlie xex or okay something like that but yeah it's pretty cool well there's actually I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of do them in ascending order yep. of like uh ones from sort of mediocre to genuinely kinda interesting. Yeah. Um at the bottom of the pile there is uh Sepultura with Quadra. Never heard it, yeah. Did you know that Sepultura still exists? Mm, I do now. <laughs> um. It was surprising to me when it popped up and I was like Oh yeah, Sepultura post uh, Cavaleras. They've been gone now for a long time. Yeah, it's been um, ten plus years, um, maybe even longer. Yeah, because um, like I think the last one was two thousand and six. Was when Igor left. Um, right. Uh, on Dante Twelve was the last one he he drummed on. I don't um, even remember the last couple albums. Like obviously you remember. Uh, biotech oh, uh, oh sorry AD. chaos ad um chaos ad the remains uh and roots are all like classics yeah metal classics um and then anything since then i have held but i'm like it's the kind of thing where i like i just i like to be blindsided by these things sometimes when it's like oh fuck that band still exists and they're still putting stuff out let's give it a go 
and yeah. Quadra is not it's the same it's just more of the same it's exactly what you expect from sepultura without any of the original members really um it's heavy it's still pretty technical in places but it will not blow you away by any means it's just very standard fare all of their albums since the cavaleras kind of left though are all concept albums are they yeah dante 12 was uh, dante uh, Dante's Inferno and Paradiso and stuff like that. It was based yeah. around that. And then, like, the album after that was entirely based around Clockwork Orange. It was called Alex, as in the main character. God, have I heard any of these fucking albums? I don't think you have, um, because, like, I mean, I fucking, I stopped listening after Roots. And, yeah. like, then I was, like, I dipped my toe here and there and I never liked any of their stuff. Well, but, we'd, like, we'd seen them live at some point we did yeah when, but... when derek was he's still the lead singer right yep yeah he has been since like um, 2001 or something 2000 so we'd seen him at that point and i maybe heard whatever the album was that he was first on maybe i can't remember what the hell that was called um uh, maybe arise or something yeah it was called. I, I, maybe something like that uh yeah we definitely heard them after that album but maybe before dante 12 oh no there was an album in between called roar back we might have heard them on that aye maybe aye because aye. that was when they did that u2 cover bullet the blue sky oh aye, and they okay. played that at the gig i'm pretty sure yeah and that was actually good i like that it's a good cover because um, yeah. that's a great song that's actually a pretty good song by u2 weirdly enough mm. i actually don't hate that song oh, um but like yeah like it's just fucking i've spent way too long talking about it already sepultura are still existing somehow and they're still pumping out music. It just belongs to that same sort of crew of like, did you know Killswitch Engage are still making music? Did you know that fucking Terry Six Crazy Fist are still around? Lo and behold, Sepultura are still making music. Hmm. Um, fucking Static X are still making music, and one of them's fucking dead. Wayne Static's fucking dead, and he's making music. What how, a world we live in. How's that? Um, <laughs> we're truly in the future now. We've got zombie Wayne Static making music. Fucking hell, man. So the next one in my list of random ones was uh, Algiers. There is no uh, there is no year. Oh, yeah, I heard this one, yeah. This was a really decent album. Um, amazing vocal performances, really, really solid, like kind of soul-influenced kind of Yeah, it's like rock. soul punk sort yeah, of soul. almost. Yeah, mostly soul driven because a lot of it is very focused around his voice and yeah, that's totally yeah, fine because yeah. he's got a great voice and like the biggest problem is the first track dispossession uh-huh. is the best track on the album and everything else is diminishing returns yeah i'd go with you on that yeah, so yeah. it's great and then it starts to wane and then on second listen it's like oh yeah it's mostly a one track album yeah. so it's not terrible it's got a nice vibe and like his voice is great but it isn't going to blow you away. The the album beforehand, I can't remember its name, but that's great. Like the the previous mm. album, I can't whatever it's called, yeah. is genuinely great. So it's just like a good, it's like a good record following a great record. You're nah. like, eh. it's always a shame when that happens when bands can't top themselves yeah. again after like because some bands just get their fucking they spurge joy their fucking talent out in one album kind of. Yeah. Thing. Uh, but the most, the third one I want to talk about, and the most interesting of the ones that are just sort of breaking even, a um, uh, guy called Ob uh, Obongiar, Obongiar. All right, okay. Uh, which way is forward? Uh, he actually, the only reason I know about him is he appeared on the last Danny Brown album. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, okay. He's on the title track. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like very uh, like Afrobeat 
spoken wordy kind of All stuff. Right. It's just a bunch of short little tracks, got a nice sort of pace to it, a nice mood. Uh, the voice is great, and like his sort of performances are amazing. It's interesting, but it's not something I would go back to and listen to multiple times. Yeah, it's more just an admirable thing because of like the amount of uh, like fire and sort of uh, gravitas his voice and performance has yeah um it's not very musically diverse either it's quite uh it's short though it's a short little experience so like even though it doesn't change up a lot musically it's still compelling enough that you'll be able to work your way through it uh-huh. it's decent and i thought it was kind of out of left field it only popped up on my spotify i think because of the danny brown yeah link. yeah so i was i enjoyed my lessons though I thought it was pretty good fair enough I really liked there was two uh metal albums um that I've heard since the start of the year that I thought were really cool. Uh one of them is a bit of um sort of death doom. Uh I think they're from Sweden. It's a band called um Convent. Um and the album's called Puritan Misogynism. <laughs> okay. Um so it's like um it's a group of I think it's four uh swedish ladies okay and it's just the sort of real really cool atmospheric um sort of doom influenced black metal or black i get so in terms of the delineation of, of metal mm. you know is it black and doom or is it <laughs> death doom or is it what but I, i'll go with death doom um <laughs> so, so it's got the sort of guttural death metal vocals and she i can't remember the name of the lead singer but she is really like really frightening vocally <laughs> and it's just like if, if you like that sort of thing it's it's cool it's well made it's got some interesting ideas it doesn't stick to the one sound um the musicianship is really interesting um the other the other metal record that i really liked and i preferred this one um, just because it made me nostalgic. Reaper. And the album is called Unholy Nordic Noise. <laughs> and that's what you get. <laughs> it's sort of the Ron Seal of album titles. <laughs> um, it's just fucking great. It's it's like pure 1984 fucking Baf- Barfury record or something like that. Like, like first wave Norwegian black metal there's not a lot of synths. It's scuzzy. It's nasty. The vocals are there. <laughs> the vocal, you know, it's it's just. It made me feel so nostalgic <laughs> for when I first got into that sort of music, and it's it's great. It's just goes a mile a minute. It thrashes. It's a bit punky, um, and it doesn't overstate its welcome. It's fucking great. It's really good. I've only got two more albums to talk about, and both of them are genuine contenders for album of the month. Oh, all right. So, eh, fuck it. You know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call it in the ring, and I'm gonna say Denzel Curry and Kenny Beats Unlocked. Hey, that's a good record. Is not my album of the month, but it's very, very, very good. Yeah, it's very good, and it belongs in that camp of kids see ghosts levels of like you have got in and you got out in like fucking 18 minutes or something and you dropped some really fucking fire tracks 
and had a lot of fun with it. The production's incredible. Denzel, I never really thought much of Denzel until, weirdly enough, he did that cover of Bulls on Parade. Yeah, I was the same. And yeah. he comes across as a cunt that cares so, so much about music and, like, clearly that was, like, a moment that his life had been leading up to, doing a cover of Rage Against the Machine with a band. And it was, like, so cool to see him that excited and get that and yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, I can, get on, I can get on with this cunt. And it was like, then this album, as good as his flow is and as good as he is as a rapper, yeah. some of his lyrics don't really resonate. They're, like, kind of, a lot of stuff just sort of feels like, I don't know, like, half-baked. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if maybe yeah. he's just not the best lyricist. It doesn't quite land, but yeah. everything else was excellent. I think this album especially, I think it was probably made in a day. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they, they do the... um. you ever seen the Kenny Beats show The Cave? No, I've been meaning to watch him. Yeah, his, his episode's great. Mm. Uh, and I think probably... I, this might not be the case, but I think this album was made just with them fucking about in the studio for a, okay. a, a day or two, I think. Um, but yeah, I really like it as well. I think maybe when I look back on this, I'm going to think I made the wrong call and this probably should have been the no, album of the no, month. No. I know what I know what you're picking. For but you. it's a very good little album. It I is mean, good. A it technically good. EP, whatever. I don't want to make that distinction anymore because Kids See Ghosts can be classed as a full fucking release. This can be classed yeah. as a full release. It's excellent. It's really, really fun hip-hop that, like, because there's no fat on it at all no it's very lean it's you get through it so fast and every track's great and the beats you know to talk about kenny beats yeah um, kenny beats. They, the beats are sort of more indebted to sort of glitchy electronica mm-hmm. than the typical sort of uh hip-hop beat that we get these days it's it's interesting it's really weird and strange and mm-hmm. and um yeah it's like every song's a fucking minute and a half it goes a mile a minute um and then it's done and you're like that was great yeah when you're bogged down by bigger longer more concept driven stuff yeah. or like complicated music it's just nice to have something that's not complicated sometimes it's just fucking fun and dumb yeah oh yes yeah it was a really the most recent album i've heard um is a sort of a really interesting cool bit of sort of sophisticated pop whatever you want to call it sophisticated pop it's sort of like a a take on sort of lounge music adult contemporary uh, adult contemporary it's an album by destroyer and it's called have we met okay and it's just fucking great he put out (laughs) an album i think about 2011 or something called kaput and it's it's i think he started out as more punky and then he sort of started incorporating a sort of um slight cheese factor of sort of um yeah like sophisticated sort of french 1960s music okay and this and this album is has a lot of that it's really funny the lyrics his lyricism is really very clever Mm. it's very funny um and the tracks are varied enough and it's got a real bite to it, like an edge, like a sort of sarcastic mm. sort of tone to his voice um, that just makes it, yeah. It's just, a, it's, it's another one of those just like really enjoyable listen. Um, I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, yeah. Mm. It's pretty cool. Uh, the only other 
thing that I can talk about before uh, my album of the month. I just, uh, it just technically came out at the end of uh, 2019, December, ah. but we, we missed it. Yeah. This is, get ready for us, everybody. <laughs> this is Mogadisco, uh, Dancing Mogadishu, bracket Somalia 1972 <laughs> to 1991. <laughs> this is a compilation of Somalian disco and funk music <laughs> from before the Civil War. And it's fucking great. <laughs> it's just crazy as fuck. Like electro disco, like like real down and dirty <laughs> fucking grubby disco. Um and sort of african instrumentation and it's just fucking joyous it's so great and i really you know it's really good that there are record labels out there (laughs) going to the archives of you know national broadcasting companies in in somalia war-torn somalia and then getting these little gems that nobody's heard in 30 40 years <laughs> and just like putting them out and go like here you go here's here's something you didn't know that you needed in your life <laughs> here's weird crazy as fuck disco music from <laughs> somalia in the 70s and 80s and it's just fucking great um so yeah there's my there's my little weird one okay uh, but yeah so my album of the month is hmltd's the West, uh, West of Eden. It's a good album. It's um, very good. What a fucking one-two punch right out of the gate. Those two tracks oh, are yeah. fucking phenomenal. Like you, I heard you text me and said, this is really good. And then I listened to it <laughs> and it won me in the first song. <laughs> uh, and then the second song is like, like you say, like a one-two punch. And you're just yeah. like, this is fucking great. <laughs> this is so good. The guy's got away with words. Uh, yeah. Like some fucking really, really witty little things here and there. And like, I very much am in tune with the sentiment of we are living in the last days of Western <laughs> civilization. Yeah. Yeah. We are doomed because of our own hubris and every single day it seems to get a little bit worse. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I totally echo the sentiments of the album. Uh, the music is all over the fucking shop. Yeah. It's, it's like glam rock, <laughs> like real scuzzy punk at points. Yeah, like, like yeah. Some of the album legitimately sounds drunk. Yeah, there's, a, <laughs> there's little moments where it does have that vibe and like... So di- a slight edge to it, like 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 if you're on the street and there's somebody <laughs> drunk and you don't know what exactly they're going to do. <laughs> you're like, where could this go? That's the vibe yeah. of the album. I, I suppose that perfectly embodies the sort of the boozy, coked up kind of sixties vibe yeah, that a lot of their yeah. a lot of their performances trying to give off as well. They're like really, really playing that role perfectly. Did you in places get the fucking vibe of like this sounds so much like Strange House era horrors? Yeah. It's aye, so aye. like it, isn't it? Where it's like, yeah, that kind of goth rock vibe from like the early mid 2000s that was kind of coming back and then just sort of died a death. Yeah. He, because of his voice and because of how weirdly, like, I don't know, eerie and like uh, coy the music can be. Yeah. And, and like how sleazy it can be. It actually comes across as kind of mm. witchy and eerie and gothy. It plays with so many genres and like the fucking, I must admit though, that uh, the ballad of Calamity 
Joe or Jane, Jack or whatever. Mm-hmm. The third track. It's a J name. Yeah, uh, the third track where it's just like it goes full spaghetti western shit. Oh, yeah, my yeah, heart, very Sergio Leone. Yeah, sort of. my heart dropped because I was like, oh, fuck. It's Again, it's Whiplash. I was like, oh, fuck, what is this? I don't get this. But then it segues into To The Door, which, I mean, that uh, song apparently has been around for a while, but again, yeah. I wouldn't know because I didn't listen to their stuff before. But um, yeah, and then it really, really integrates that uh, Sergio Leone kind of spaghetti western sound into a fucking punk banger. Oh, it's so um, good. So it's this is this is like this is how you know, like really, really good punk, and even the elements of pop in there, like Green Day, could fucking listen to this album <laughs> and go like, "Well, we should just hang up mm-hmm. our hats." And they um, were never, they were never the true embodiment no. of what real british punk yes, really felt yeah, like exactly. they were stupid americana punk and the, like butt rock stuff like yeah green day wouldn't know fucking punk if it slapped them in the tit this is great that's record yeah. but um there's a, a, another uh likeness that I, I want to bring up because again it's fucking it struck me like a bolt of lightning the song where's joanna oh yeah oh that's so good it sounds so much like a fucking franz ferdinand track on coke because it's yeah. got the angular guitar there, oh, it's so there. Good. like that kind of fucking vibe from like that. Um, what how, we... how good is it to be excited by guitar music? Yeah, it's it's insane um... when you're like, oh, they're actually trying to make it eclectic and interesting and diverse, it's not and, like... just doing a. We'll get you know nostalgia for the sake of nostalgia. Yeah. We'll get some sense on it. You know, like that. You heard that that stroke single yeah yeah uh... i both of them are very humdrum there's something very melancholic and dry about both of them but like like, i don't know if that's just i didn't hate them though No, i didn't hate them i just sort of me yeah it's just more like whereas what maybe what we've been missing you know it's especially with guitar led music is you just need a little bit of angular chicka, 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 chicka yeah. again yeah, and just yeah. like yes fucking hell <laughs> i want that kind of uh i want that kind of post punky like disco influenced like uh you always compared fucking Franz Ferdinand and Gang of Four yeah absolutely yeah. i want that kind of post punk stuff peace. Yep. coming back um, uh like I-, I love that sound and fucking happy meal limited really fucking oh God, go so ham on it in places and then in places they're using there's a fucking track on this in fact two tracks but there's tracks on this that use japanese vocaloid <laughs> like uh, synthesizers like there's japanese vocaloid vocals at, alongside some of the most beautiful string arrangement <laughs> i've ever heard in a fucking album they're, they're shoulder yeah. to shoulder and it works yeah it's weird it's so weird and cool like i did not expect to hear japanese vocaloid stuff and that whole thing to me brings up that idea of like is this a is this a kind of weird way of juxtaposing that sort of the beautiful idea of like string or uh, uh-huh. orchestration and stuff like that as a western trope but the vocaloid stuff is like a, a very heavy mm. japanese trope yeah, and maybe. Very, so it's yeah. like the east is sort of making its way into the west and replacing it kind of thing like mm. is there something going on there i can't tell because i don't know how deep the theme really runs but it didn't matter because it sounded amazing yeah <laughs> so um and that sort of thing actually comes up a little bit in the album uh, book club album that i want to talk about yeah. as well a You've got bit. a thesis on this, right? <laughs> I don't want to oversell it, but yeah. I have written paragraphs of of stuff that I might have to do verbatim. But um, oh, fair enough. But uh, yeah, like this album, uh, 
is a, a real real mixed bag but it's a mixed bag that i love yeah i love it it's great it was my album of the month and then i heard something last week that just pipped it okay, okay. um i'm gonna get super fucking nerdy about this fucking <laughs> album um this album is so good it's it's a bit of electronica um it's by beatrice dillian it's called Work Around. Okay. And she, this is her first uh, proper full length. I think she had a mini album a couple of years ago. And she's sort of been doing the rounds and making a name for herself. What this is effectively is it's a sort of um, quite a rigid, um, quite artificial sounding, very robotic album. But the production on it is the most interesting electronic production I've heard in a long time. Um, and although, you know, you might think how rigid it is and uh, like robotic sounding, it's, it's going to be lacking in, in um, emotion or joyousness, but it, but somehow it works. Basically mm. how it works is that she has produced the album and then she's had collaborators come in and used bits of their instrumentation so the instrumentation's all over the place you got like sort of tabla music and sort of steel guitar and it's very sort of international very eclectic okay but what really marks the album out is a the the, the tunes are killer they're fucking great they're <laughs> so good but what really makes it different to a lot of electronic production that goes on these days is Within uh, electronic music at the moment, there tends to be a ten- or seems to be a tendency of of make of um, having a lot of reverb, having a lot of you know sort of or maybe even fake reverb so that it has a more sort of lived in crackly quality. Right. You know, like um, like what, months ago when we talked about um, uh, classics by. A model 500 mm-hmm. it's got a sort of crackly quality to the techno there but yeah. that's because of the era it was made mm-hmm. and it was analog synthesizers and then you can hear the buttons get pushed and everything and a lot of um electronic music production these days will ape that sound yeah um i don't know why it's maybe got a warm nostalgic quality potentially but this album doesn't do that it's it's got li- little to no reverb whatsoever it sounds very computer based it's it's very sparse and it's very um clinical almost you can hear that it's been produced you're not in any illusion that this is a jam that's been made <laughs> but what she does with the space in that production is really interesting so you've got this sort of um sort of almost empty space that she fills with these really interesting samples and fat you know really cool vocals from all over the place you've got like um you know, like african vocals in there and you've got sort of strange middle eastern sort of style instrumentation and it's just fascinating and this is now this is where I get super super nerdy, right? <laughs> um the she typically the beats seem to be at one hundred and fifty beats per minute. Right. Which 
like and the dance music people out there will be like what um <laughs> that's a strange range to predominantly base your album around like how to give you an idea if you're not into this um house music typically sort of classic chicago house music the quite soulful stuff will sound will usually be in uh 115 to 130 so it's a slightly slower pace yeah compare that to something like drum and bass which is like 160 to 180 gaba upwards of that right <laughs> and and techno will sit somewhere in the middle it's about 120 to 140 so with with it being 150 it's sort of neither very fast and it's neither very slow it's sort of almost a weird slow fast or fast slow <laughs> and it doesn't sound like any of the very strict genres that you get within uh dance music and it's it's fascinating it's it's the best production i've heard in a long time on electronic music and if i've not sold it it's because i've got so geeky on it <laughs> the tunes are fucking killer every fucking song is a banger it slaps it go it goes in so many different directions that if you're a real mark for dance music this is going to be your album of the year for dance music it's so good okay it's it's great so that would be my album of the month excellent so this month or rather last month I asked you to listen to uh, Hall and Oates's <laughs> Abandoned Luncheonette. Yeah. To try and uh, see what I see when I when I look at Hall and Oates is like it's a genuinely pleasant experience. But I wonder if it'll gel at all. Yeah. No. I I I would go along with the most part with a lot of your sentiments uh, about this album. I need to get up. Uh, the lyrics, though, um, <laughs> for a certain song, but we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, yeah, I I have a real soft spot for um, sort of like ridiculously well produced fluff. Like this is this is too well produced for what it is, right? This is sort of like the most seventies thing. <laughs> ever produced it's sort of like i guess i think they call it yacht music now <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah i can see that like um like really overproduced mm. like to the nth degree like <laughs> so overproduced 70s soft rock pop i've got a real soft spot for it <laughs> this album would be the dictionary definition of guilty pleasure <laughs> it is it's fluff right it is total fluff <laughs> But it's the most well-executed fluff that I've ever heard. <laughs> um, if I had to get... Like, the fans of the show have, have been annoyed that I haven't used a food analogy in a couple of episodes. But if, if I had to use a food analogy for this, this is like candy floss. It's sort of like almost not there. And, you know, the memory of it on your tongue doesn't last very long. But whilst you're consuming this candy floss it's like oh that's nice <laughs> um too much of it however mm -hmm. you can start to get a bit sick so yeah. let's let's get into the actual songs <laughs> so the the first song is when the morning comes and this is the most 70s fucking sound <laughs> thing i've like the the singing on it they are singing throughout the album mostly this sort of 
a duetting falsetto is, <laughs> is gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. And this album really sets out what you're going to hear. Um, so a light percussion in the background. Very sort of like, a, you know, like Marks and Spencer's food advert <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but hidden, sort of buried in the production is sort of weird, tumultuous things going on in the background like you got these sort of warped synths on this first rec on this first song and it's sort of like slightly discordant with the the sort of easy going vibe it's sort of weird it's yeah. like oh, there's something going on with this album <laughs> it never overpowers it it never you know it's not like you're getting a glimpse into some weird um sort of underground music going on in the background <laughs> but there's definitely a weird sort of quality to some of the the production uh, and that sort of sort of sets out its plate mm. um, with the first song uh second song is had i known you better then uh the baseline on this is fucking amazing it's so sort of like it's just <laughs> the most sort of 70s uh, that's what I'm gonna. I'm gonna basically say that for most of the songs, it's the most seventies thing ever. <laughs> uh, falsetto again is gorgeous. Um, it's a winning formula, clearly. <laughs> um, and then you have this sort of weird, once again in the background, this weird sort of distant country and western slide guitar, like, <laughs> like that's great, man. Um, and then the piece de resistance. We get into the third album, uh, and this is this is who sells a record you have this uh the third song's called las vegas turnaround where you have the first instance of sexy saxophone music coming um for the amount of cheese for this for this song and the album at large the production is just brilliant just like sexy saxophone throughout the album always a winner she's gone follows and this sort of has a sort of shimmery quality to it electro piano lots of woos in the background there's a lot of woos on the album mm -hmm. a lot of woo sort of stuff <laughs> and it's 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 silly yeah um but it's 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 a guilty pleasure it's really fun um that one she's gone is more of the ballad mm -hmm. uh once again the sexy saxophone is a killer and then you've got this weird discordant sound in the background. I don't know what it is, but it's like, what was that? Sort of this, you know what I mean? It's like a descending sort of, yeah, like, what, yeah. Where, why, why would you put that? There's some sort of it, yeah. weird choices with the production. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why would you put the, that? It, it's why I've always been very vocal with my uh, pressing of like, there's an element of that era of Hollow Notes yeah. that almost has a little bit of a proggy vibe. Yeah, we bet. Because they yeah. were coming up at the same time as a lot of the prog bands. Yeah, we bet. There's a little element of it they can kind of get on board with the idea of like lace and synth yeah. and like doing weird stuff with and, them. And for the most part, the mix is, and especially She's Gone, it should be a total mess. <laughs> but somehow it works. Um... Then we get into so the first half of the album. I really, I really do enjoy, and then the, the second half of the album. There's a couple of things that I'm not as keen on. Mm. Uh, I'm just a kid. Don't make me feel like a man. <laughs> is the most seventies thing for the <laughs> for the wrong reasons. Um, 
Little girl, what's your name? It's just no, no, <laughs> no. And and what I wasn't keen on this song because it is the most Flight of the Concord song on the whole <laughs> album, and I couldn't take it seriously. Yeah, it's 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 just like a spoof of <laughs> one of these songs. Um, two minutes in the bass is all right. Um, but yeah, it's sort of. That sort of style of yacht music or whatever has been parodied so much. Mm-hmm. And for the beginning of the album, it works and it's just sort of like well produced 70s pop. But this song, I'm just I'm just a kid. Don't make me feel like a man. Just it's like it is like the worst excesses of that type of music. Yeah. And and it just is a flight of the Concord song, so I couldn't <laughs> take it seriously whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, then we have the album, uh, the title track, Abandoned Luncheonette, which has a sort of silky piano harp, which is very lovely, more sexy sax music. Um, but, uh, so this is, it sort of gets back on point with the album mm-hmm. after the last one I wasn't keen on. But the rhyming couplets are so bad <laughs> that they are adorable. I've got, I've, I don't really concentrate on the lyrics a lot when. I listen to albums, but these. <laughs> right, so here we go. I've got a few here. She was 20 when the diner was a baby. He was the dishwasher, busy in the back, his hands covered with gravy, <laughs> black hair, and wavy, brilliant slick, a pot, cleaning dandy. He was young and randy it's so <laughs> some of the fucking it's so bad that it's quite funny it's adorable yeah in a lot of ways uh there was another one um what was it no i think that was that was the piece de resistance so yeah but the oh no god that's right listen to this this doesn't even rhyme right um they sat in this is the this is how the song begins right <laughs> They sat in an abandoned luncheonette, sipping imaginary cola and drawing faces in the tabletop dust. His voice was rusty from the years as a sergeant on this man's army. They were old and crusty. <laughs> like, for fuck's sake. Um, it's so, like, <laughs> like the, the, the song's fine, yeah. but it's so... Like, the last song before that suffered from sounding like uh, a flight of the Concord song <laughs> but this one is almost so stupid it wouldn't be a comedy song <laughs> um La- lady rain is is after this and this is probably the most interesting out song uh production wise and progre- the the music is slightly more progressive uh and the percussion is really quite interesting and the guitar gets pretty thrashy almost sort of like 70s focus mm. sort of like yeah. sort of thing um and the cello when it comes in that's a fucking killer groove <laughs> um laughing boy is next um and this is sort of like a piano led uh quite elton john type ballad it's probably the most sincere song on the album thus making it the less the least entertaining <laughs> Um, even the sexy saxophone that comes in is too self-important. <laughs> so I'm not keen on that one. And then it ends with uh, Every Time I Look at You, which is sort of like porno, funk, black exploitation, 
It then turns into a banjo hoedown. <laughs> um, it goes on for about seven minutes and somehow they won me over. <laughs> uh, so yeah, a real... Like, yeah, just a guilty pleasure of an album. I really did enjoy it. Um, I don't know if it would be on my rotation. No. Um, but, yeah. Cheese and candy floss combined. <laughs> it's fucking great. But, in moderation. Yeah, it's... It, even, even as, like... Uh, a person who enjoys Hollow Notes, uh, like I don't go back and listen to them often, and I very rarely listen to an album in its entirety. Like if I was steaming, <laughs> I would lo- like, yeah, yeah, be like, this is my jam it when could I'm be drunk. Your drunk album, yeah, the one that you learn all the lyrics for just to sing when you're yeah, drunk. It could be, but um, um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of camp and fun to it, and like, oh yeah, it's a fun record. A little bit more dynamically interesting, musically interesting than a lot of stuff around its era. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I think especially so. in its genre, it's doing a little bit more than a lot of other bands would. Um, so like, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, you're totally right in terms of like everything about it screams <laughs> nasty seventies <70s> cheesy <laughs> shit. <laughs> And you need to take it in small doses. But yeah, I loved it. It's yeah. great. Outside of those, pretty much outside of those two, maybe three songs. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, I'd given you this album, which is uh, Floral Shop by uh, Macintosh Plus. Uh, and I'd given you it because I'd been reading a lot about the philosophies behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, when I first heard it all those years ago, were like, it's okay. And then I suddenly got it. Um, yeah. So I, it was more of a philosophical uh, challenge, I guess, than an album. Like, a, yeah. I was like, "What? Listen to this. Am I crazy? Can you <laughs> can you hear certain things in this that I can now hear?" So I will now hand the floor over to John, who I think you've got a dissertation that you're going to read. <laughs> I've got yeah, I've got a mini. A mini thesis here on Macintosh Plus's Floral Shop from 2011. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, this is literally just a verbatim reading of what I wrote. Go for after it. A, a after a monumental seven lessons. Seven is that the most you've ever? Yep, most I've ever listened to anything for a bot club uh, because I needed to try and parse it yeah. every single time. I needed to like try and understand it a little bit more and break it down in its constituent parts a little bit more. But saying that, I've not done a track by track. Oh, no, 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 no. It's purely a philosophical stance. Go for it. Uh, and a criticism in one. Well, so, go for it, yeah. Another in a long list of Vectroid's musical personae uh, and the Vaporwave album of note, Eamon presented this as a philosophical question as much as an album review, and I can see why. Musically, it isn't that complicated. A lot of the songs boil down to just being aggressively slowed down versions of sampled songs, uh, chopped and screwed, throwing in throwing some funky time signatures and some distortion, and you've got yourself a vaporwave masterclass. That isn't to say it isn't captivating. It puts you into a mood and really does conjure images in your head, and it feels like uh, more of an existential nightmare or social commentary than a musical journey, which is just fine. I don't know how to feel about this record, although... It is a musically shallow experience. The aesthetic choices and genuine, uh, genuinely sort of challenging stance on nostalgia 
gave me a lot to think about. Is it just an album of chopped and screwed songs that Vectroid likes from that era? Or is it a thesis statement, a sort of postmodern ironic attack against honest, tragic nostalgia? I could read it in I could read it one or two ways. It could be an honest but more robust kind of nostalgia that isn't necessarily about wanting to return to some intangible period of joy and purity or a, or a lamenting of a lost identity, but more of an honest appreciation of music and a weary understanding that the relentless march of time and capitalism makes fools of us all. Or it could be a critique of that sort of performative nostalgia that so many people partake in the sort of nostalgia that big business often uses to ply you with new things to buy. It does in some ways come across as a swipe at this current boring trend of using the sights and sounds of that period, and even back when it was released in 2011, is and was so parodied and aped and idealised by so many people that it's become abstract and warped. It's a true representation of the obnoxious form of nostalgia and a twisted effigy of time and culture, stored in rose-tinted aspic. It's sort of tragic to care so much about these things in an honest and unironic way. The artwork suggests the latter, as it can only really be read in one way, a bust of Helios, the Greek god of the sun, mixed with 90s aesthetic mint green Japanese text and pink and black checkerboard with a weird JPEG of a cityscape. It's a consciously obnoxious shotgun blast of aesthetic tropes of 90s style, with a piece of fine art placed right next to it in stark contrast, the epitome of what people would consider Western ideal art. Is it a snide attempt to make a clear statement that our disposable, noxious-looking recent history looks even more pathetic and childish next to the glory of antiquity? Maybe. Either that or it's just a meme, and ultimately it doesn't matter. If it's just a little exercise in aesthetics and sound, and that, that the artist appreciates turned into a genre-defining record, well, that's just fine. And if it's a stab at the pointless pandering nature of nostalgia and the toxic, culturally vapid vice grip of capitalism and consumerism, then that's cool too. Either way, it's a great thing that I grew to like a lot. I lean more to the cynical side. I enjoy it a lot more as a critique of something, but it doesn't have to be. And 420 is a banger. <laughs> it really it's, is. It's... Yeah, that's well cool. All right. So, so yeah, as as a musical experience, it is very much just about. It is absolutely what the meme images always depict. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. fucking uh, Bimmy from Arthur putting on the the headphones yeah. and just drifting away, kind of thing. You just get into it and you lose yourself in this yeah. weird mellow warped kind of vibe and stuff like that it's uh it's definitely not as i said it's not challenging yeah necessarily yeah. i mean it's it can be a little bit uh weary in places yeah and it is kind of a weary album from its like i'd say yeah it's, it's sort it, of in the production of it it's, yeah yeah i genuinely yeah. think it is a stance on on a kind of a, a warped idea of nostalgia and what it does to people and like where where capitalism consumerism is leading us yeah that's what i got out of it yeah and it's and it is so effective i could genuinely sort of it makes you think immediately of a floridian mall you can just yes, imagine yeah. walking through a fucking shitty bombed out mall in florida and you can hear 
dancing fantasy because there's like fucking sex dancing fantasy tracks yeah. sampled on this album. You can hear dancing fantasy playing from like a radio shack somewhere off in the distance, and you're just walking and enjoying the 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 disgusting uh like white off white lighting of a, yeah. a tiled well, do you mall. know do you know that theory of um empty spaces or mm. like or I, I think they call them um what do they call them i think they call them like uh nowhere zones yeah so they're sort of place architecture that is housing for uh you're moving between places okay yeah, yeah. so like a shopping center is a good example because your destination is the shop mm-hmm. but you're within an arc within a structure that is not really meant to be there <laughs> right yeah or the other example would be um airplane airports yeah yeah where your destination is the other country mm-hmm. but you have to go through this zone of nothing before you get there <laughs> and i think the theory on it is that people naturally maybe not consciously are uncomfortable in these places mm-hmm. and that is maybe where the sort of idea of that type of music that you play in shopping centers or airports comes from sort of easy listening Mm -hmm. sort of non-threatening just background diegetic almost music and what i like with this album is and maybe this is reading into it but you you sort of you have that critique of capitalist culture and there's a real sort of slightly or like very prominent sort of melancholia to the record Mm -hmm. that's like this is sort of not how it should be really yeah um and that's what i sort of liked about it um but i'll tell you the the book that i read that um got me interested like got me thinking about this was there's a really good book called um uh babbling corpse vaporwave and the commodification of ghosts okay uh, it's a, like a little short philosophical book. I think it's only about 100 pages, maybe. Okay. Uh, and it's Grafton Tanner uh, is the author. I've got it in the house, actually. I should have brought it for you. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll give it. I'll give you it if you want. for a, and if, He goes more into sort of... If it's small, I might just buy it myself because it does genuinely sound interesting. It's quite interesting. And, and it goes more into the sort of the heavy philosophy, you know, mm-hmm. Derrida and uh, yeah, right, Mark okay, Fisher yeah. and all this sort of stuff. Um but yeah, no, it's it's no. So would you say to steer us back into <laughs> um, sort of musical discussion? Mm. Um, would you say that you like the album? Yeah, yeah, because it's it is if you remove it from any sort of idea of interpretation, any subjective kind of interpretation, or like trying mm. to decipher whatever artistic statement is trying to make, it still is a real big mood it's a really pleasant experience to listen to mm-hmm. for the fact that it like just puts you in a fucking headspace that really it's excellent doing other stuff music yeah, yeah. Uh, or lying down in a dark room music mm-hmm. it can be both you could be lying just fucking staring into nothing and enjoy it because you'll get almost trance like with it yeah yeah or you could be fucking uh gaming am i right gamers you can be doing a video game and pl- um, playing that in the background. Chill and beats. Yeah, you'll get yeah. some chill beats to study to. <laughs> um, um, or to yeah. game to, am I right, gamers? Rise up. 
Um, this was a games channel originally, right? I, I guess, yeah. I suppose I, I just games are shite though, so I can't even be bothered. The next next month we'll do the soundtrack to Sonic just to get <laughs> get that SEO money. That, like yeah. hopefully maybe someone will click on it. Do you remember Sonic? Everyone, do you remember how Sonic is somehow uh, like the way that the 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 world of the skeptics are going to challenge feminists with their Birds of Prey movie, the one about female superheroes, and apparently feminists created that movie. Wait, what? Yeah, there's, <laughs> a, there's an entire fake outrage about how Birds of Prey was supposed to be better than Sonic, and every feminist was saying it's going to be better than Sonic, and Sonic's like this antithesis to fucking the feminist stance of a comic oh, book movie sake. made by a big budget fucking hollywood industrial complex to fucking sell tickets to dum-dums who like that shit it's all dum-dum stuff for dum-dums why are these dum-dums pretending that this dum-dum stuff is feminist dum-dum stuff and fucking other things uh, mra dum-dum stuff or rational skip so that's like, the rational movie apparently so is is I mean, I've not seen the Sonic movie or, or any <laughs> discussion on the Sonic movie or intend to look at any discussion on the Sonic movie or see the Sonic movie. <laughs> but is, is the Sonic movie a men's rights activist movie? Absolutely not, but because it's a video game movie, uh-huh. a bunch of MRA alt-right, uh, like super centrist fucking libertarian dickheads online were saying that it's basically like, Every one of those feminists wanted this to not perform uh-huh. well at the box office. And look at what happened. Birds of Prey, a female-led movie made by feminists, was bad at the box office. And Sonic's doing great. What does that tell you? Gamers rise up. It's got all that kind of pattern where, like, apparently because it's a female-led movie, it uh-huh. holds a stance on feminism or it's, like, anti-gamer. I would have, I would have thought that Sonic would have done better because... Uh, Birds of Prey is a 15 and Sonic's a children's film. Exactly. Uh, and the weather's been bad. And so also, you might as well go to see a piece of shit film in the cinema. Also, they called it Birds of Prey and not Harley Quinn's Big Adventure or something. Harley Quinn is in it and she's a very recognisable character. Would you know what the fuck I was talking about if I said Birds of Prey? No. No, you'd be like, DC's women's, uh, like, Suicide Squad. It's Suicide Squad, but it's all women, and that's it. Suicide Gals. No, yeah. that, no that's a different thing. <laughs> no, don't look up that, kids. Um, or do. You or do. Remember, does that still exist? I don't I've know. never looked at it. Um, anyway. I don't know. We're sex positive on this um, channel. We are indeed. Enjoy yourselves, um, but don't enjoy yourself watching some bullshit movie about Sonic the Hedgehog, a cultural icon that has hasn't been relevant or good since 1993 I, I don't know man sonic told me not to go away with strangers <laughs> well that was... yeah that was when he was that was when he was relevant and he had something to say and he said don't let strangers touch your pickle and that was good advice back then but you know what sonic's been doing ever since he's a bloated fuck to death pile of shit that hasn't had a good game since the 90s you could you could um you think you could turn Sonic and you could probably turn Sonic into a vaporwave, <laughs> sort of like endlessly running around these rings. Yeah, um, it's quite a sad existence that Sonic has. Oh yeah, you know he's liberating these puppies or whatever it is in those, <laughs> in those things. So anyway, that is our albums for uh, the Bok Club. So now I suppose we should do some recommendations for next month. But... Okay. I'm genuinely having to pull this one uh, out of my ass because I hadn't given it even a fucking second I thought. Okay. So, fuck, fuck it, why not? I'm just going to make you listen to Tool finally. 
Okay, which one? Uh, it's uh, it's going to have to be Lateralis because that's like the big magnum opus. Okay, I think. cool. Well, what should I expect from it? Because I did listen to um, mm. what was it? Fear and Oculum. I oh, listened the most to, I listened, one. I listened to Fear and Oculum. Okay, and it was okay. It wasn't really my sort of thing. I was thinking that Tool were more like the Melvins, <laughs> or like a little more flashier yeah. than it was going to be. Um, so if I disregard mm. the most recent album, should I go in blank to it or? Well, Lateralis, I'd say musically sounds fairly similar to Fear and Oculum. Okay, okay. However, it's more uh fleshed out in its like in its concept i'd say maybe and like uh a little bit more diverse in what they do with like the guitar sound and stuff like that and like the time signatures and whatnot are a little bit more varied Uh, Mm. so it's definitely i'd say it's the roundly the most perfect album tool have ever made okay uh however I'm a big mark, and I thought Fear Inoculum was great, but not many people did. So I thought it was all right. You know, I thought it was okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, okay. Cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a listen. It's it's unusual that I haven't heard it, considering uh, my love of metal and and mm. being the right era. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll give it a listen. A lot of the albums that you've given me have you have a history with, mm-hmm. and more so than mine outside of the dizzy rascal album these albums i came to later because they were made before i was a teenager i list, i like i've listened to these albums as a teenager but dizzy rascal was the only one that came out while i was a teenager mm. the other ones you know you rediscover after the fact yeah. so i thought i'll go back into my own musical history and i'll give you something um that i loved as young and this is before i was a teenager this this album is 20 years old this year okay so i would have first heard it when i was 11 or 10 and it is primal screams uh (laughs) exterminator okay now this is a stupid record (laughs) but i love it it is so good it's a great record a lot of people would say that Screamadelica is a better record. Mm. Uh, rest in peace, Andrew Waterfall. Uh, all even. Um, but I would argue that Exterminator's a more interesting album. Um, I think song for song it's better. It has... By the way, you, the first song you'll listen to and you'll go, I can understand why an 11-year-old Eamon <laughs> would have loved this. It has everything that has formed my... <laughs> It's got horrible, industrial, thrashy electro. It's got a bit of post-punk and a bit of everything, really. And it's all mixed together and it's, somehow it works. It's yeah. a total fucking mess of an album. And it's stupid as all really good fucking rock and roll records are. <laughs> but it's fucking great. It's so good. Primal Scream are a frustrating band for people that like them but because for every screamadelica or for every fucking um exterminator they will produce a sort of terrible sub rolling stones yeah sort of album so they're sort of in dealing with primal scream it's sort of like one off one on typically for their albums 
and this is just you know it just sums me up totally as, <laughs> as an 11 year old or whatever uh and i've i listened to it recently and uh, it still holds up i think <laughs> it's banger after banger and uh yeah it's just good it's there's no there's no philosophical concept to this <laughs> it's a big stupid rock and roll record that i still love from when i was a wayne cool so, there you go it's actually one primal scream was one i genuinely have been secretly dreading yeah because i've always had a weird vendetta against them yeah that, and i mean them and the rolling uh not rollins uh the stone roses yes yeah for some reason i'm like really against the mad chester sort of stuff yeah and i don't know why i don't know what turned me off against them but like there's, there's a yeah i don't know maybe it's the the excesses of it or yeah. the um there is a certain laddishness with those bands i guess yeah um that maybe was turned away that turned you away from them maybe um but but I'll, yeah this this album just real stupid fun i'll i'll happily give it a go because i think like my my biases weren't based on anything when i didn't like them way back when uh-huh. And then when they released that single Country Girl, I was like, oh, this is one of the ter- worst things terrible. I'd ever heard. That's so bad. But I know that isn't re- representative of everything they've made. I, it's I will... actually a standout as how bad it is. I'll, I'll tell you a horror story about Primal Scream before we finish. <laughs> I, I went to see them on the, the, the Country Girl album tour or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and... Um, it is i've been to the heaviest metal and the scariest rap concerts but primal screams audience were the most demented i've ever (laughs) seen it is the only time that i have ever seen somebody smoking heroin (laughs) in the secc i think that's what they were doing they definitely had the tinfoil out and the little straw i was like fucking hell cunts are taking heroin that's how you take heroin right i'm so (laughs) that's how you smoke it um and before the band even came on there was a fucking guy down the front that sat down and then lay down and then a smell emitted from him. <laughs> I was like, this cunt shit himself. Oh, no. Saying that, the band were great. Um, <laughs> the audience were cunts. The band were great. Maybe that's what turns you off. Maybe, The fans yeah, are cunts. Maybe there is a kind of, yeah, a, a stigma against them because of the kind of people that I associate with it. But yeah. it's unfair Cunt, to say cunt that. you shit yourself, smoking yeah. heroin, cunts. I mean, um, I kind of, like... Yeah, I suppose there's quite a few bands that are like that as well. Like, if it weren't for the fact that Oasis were shite anyway, their their fans would turn me against them because their fans yeah. are shitheads as well. Yeah, but us um, two are good. Um, they're all right. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, but no, I totally am with you. But the, yeah, I think it'd be nice to maybe clear up some of my misconceptions of primal scream and maybe somewhere down the line you give me some stone roses as well i'll Mu- probably listen to it musically i think it is genuinely good mm-hmm. um scream Adelica, maybe a better produced album mm. but i think it's slightly overrated oh people are <laughs> um i think it's slightly overrated in terms of song per song mm-hmm. um i think it's more of uh andrew waterall's uh album than it is primal screams the production is really what sells it uh whereas this album is just good stupid electro banger song after good stupid electro banger song 
bang, 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 bang. <laughs> I feel like we were, I was a little worried that we were going to be a little rusty because it's basically been like two months off, but I've enjoyed this. It's, it's, it's been, been a good, good Maybe, maybe uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> um, and... Maybe. And I might have had a tirade, but hopefully I'm going to be making some videos as well on the channel soon. But like, the podcast is going to hopefully proceed as usual. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll be back next month, hopefully with another episode, and yep. uh, go and listen to music because it's good. Yeah, don't um, play games though because they're not very good. Like and subscribe, <laughs> comment down below. Call us cretins, uh, whatever you want to do. <laughs> Maybe join in the uh, the existential and sort of uh, cultural discussion revolving around capitalism, consumerism, and the aesthetics of vaporwave. If you yeah, want, go for it. Check out that book. Uh, and yeah, have a good one. Bye. Bye. See you soon. Bye.